All right, friends, it is a sad day in Philadelphia as Ginger Jesus got shipped out for pretty much a box of packing peanuts to Indianapolis. Everybody was far too excited to send me that bright and early in the morning and just ruin my day up until this point. But we're going to come to grips with this together. We're all going to talk about what Carson Wentz leaving means for the NFL, the NFC East, and the worst person alive, Howie Roseman. So just initial thoughts when you guys read it. I was, yeah. I mean, I I wasn't reading it. I was, you know, pumping some iron, getting big, you know, getting swole. That stuff. And then uh, my friend comes down and says, um, "Tweet from Schefter." And I was like, "All right, it's either a DAC contract or Wentz is gone." And Wentz was gone. It was exactly what I said. I said he's, he makes sense for the Eagles, yeah, and the Colts to make that trade. It just it seems just too good to be true. That was my first thought. I hope he does well, just as far away from my team as possible. He wasn't a threat to you guys anymore. I mean, if you got, even if like he came back next year, Dak's the best quarterback in that division. Here's the thing: I know he's talented. That's why I'm like, I don't want to see him anymore. Because I'm yeah. like, I know he has it somewhere in him. Yeah. Maybe Wright can bring it out. Maybe he can't. I have no idea. He, I, part of I'm fifty fifty on it. Though. It's not automatic that he's going to go, and Reich is going to make him this MVP quality quarterback again because he's looked pretty bad for the past couple of years. Yeah, mainly this season. But would you say the odds are higher now that he's in a fresh situation? Like the pressure in Philadelphia where half the yeah. fan base hated him, half the fan base yeah. wanted him to falls back. He can just go to Indianapolis and just kind of play football again, it feels like. Start fresh. Yeah. yeah. For a very well-run franchise. Yeah, I, yeah I, I said this before. Like if he had any chance of resurrecting his career, it's not going to be in Philadelphia. So like if there's any hope that he returns to MVP form or even – like top ten form, it's going to be in Indianapolis. Like they just had Philip Rivers, who couldn't move and couldn't throw the ball downfield, and they went to the playoffs. And in all honesty, they probably should have been in Buffalo. But so if Carson Wentz, and that's a winnable division too. Well, yeah, so I mean, yeah, the yeah, dumpster fire division in the world. The, the Titans are yeah, okay. and then like Jacksonville. Jacksonville's not going to be good this upcoming year. And, you know, you Tennessee just lost the offensive coordinator. So, like, this division is open. It's in the – it's in these to lose. So, you guys both represent – well, I mean, I guess not as much, Joe. You guys are frustrating a different way. But, Anthony, now that we both occupy some of the most frustrating teams in the East, do you think Howie Roseman or Dave Gettleman is the worst GM in the division? No, Dave Gettleman blows him out the water. Don't get me started on it, please. <laughs> Please get started. Please continue. No, I can't. There's not enough. We don't have enough time on on the Zoom meeting to. Because this is this is a really awful okay. display. Okay. All right. Let me defend Harry Roseman. Can you Roseman bring some over, Anthony? Do you need some of this? No, I actually <laughs> I have a hand. Oh, actually, let me just defend Harry Roseman for a brief second. He did build a roster that won the freaking Super Bowl. Joe Douglas did. I agree. <laughs> okay. Like we don't know for certain who like actually build a roster, but he was a part of it. If the last three years have been any sign, it was sure as hell not Howie Roseman. Okay, I, I understand that, but, like, he did help. I find it hard to believe Joe Douglas made every single personnel decision while he was there. I think Howie Roseman had to make a, a decision or two, given the fact that he's the, the GM. He might, Joe might have let him. It was like when your dad let you drive when you were a kid with, like, just the steering wheel. That, that might have been that situation. Okay, uh, you know what? <laughs> this is just an argument. I'm not going to win. Dave Gilman hasn't done anything positive while he was at, well, he's been the Giants GM. He hasn't done anything good. 
Maybe one thing he's done well. Um, I mean, he wasn't a part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Got a game Bradbury. Yeah. He's, he's good. Yeah, that's two things. So, like, we're at what? Like a D plus? If I'm and we're only at this year. That's it. Yes. So he's made some good moves this year. Um, I still think the jury's out on Daniel Jones. I think we can – we're not sure yet. It could work out. It's not going to. But if you're saying that about your third-year quarterback, that's also an issue. Yes. Saying, eh, it could work out. It's, it's, not, go- it's not going to. I already know how it's going to happen. It's, oh, it's, so we, we've talked about this. Yes. Yeah, we have. It's not On this podcast. Well. Yeah, he's, he's going to be a great backup quarterback one day. That's the ceiling. Could he be Ryan Fitzpatrick? So, no. Not even that good? No. That would be awesome if he just went full Ryan Fitzpatrick. Beard. Beard and everything. Shirt, just totally not I put mean, together. Like he I mean, honestly, if, if it's at that point, you just give him an extension. I'll welcome him back to the team. But, you know, I, it, like, he, like he took Saquon Barkley when you could have Quinn Nelson. He took Will Hernandez in the second round when he could have had Darius Leonard or Nick Chubb. The 2019 draft was, like, okay. Like, you drafted Dexter Lawrence. You had the egregious trade-up for DeAndre Baker. You gave Golden Tate a horrible contract who's going to get cut. You gave Nate Solder a horrible contract who's going to get cut. And God, that was what, awful. You, 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 you traded away Jason Pierre-Paul, and then you brought in Alec Ogletree, who's no longer in the league. I, I, I don't even know what he's doing anymore. And so, what? That, that's better than Harry Roseman. No, I mean, that's the, but, I don't know. We, our hand, Howie hasn't drafted much better. I mean, we only have two pro bowlers since he took over the job. Yeah, I was going to say, what, like, what, some of the drafting decisions um, have been... When did he take over the team? Well, he's, he's, the last few read years, he was GM. Then they gave Chip Kelly the GM title, so he took, like, a two-year hiatus. And then the last five years, he's been back as GM. So probably, like, seven or eight in total. He's been with the organization a long time, though. There's just been too many picks with Howie Roseman where you're just like, wow, they could have had this guy. Like, really close to each other and playing the same position. Like, Brandon, you know the guys. Like Justin Jefferson. Yeah, and I was a big one of on the podcast and Mike Napoli about that. Or Sega White. Yeah, think- like, just stuff like I- that. With I think especially the Jefferson pick. Like, I guess Rager could be good. But also, like, you could have treated your first and second round pick to move up for even CeeDee Lamb who was probably the second-best rookie wide receiver this year, which I'll take. Like, if the Cowboys took Justin Jefferson at that pick, I would have been furious. Like, I would have been yeah. like, how are you taking this guy over C.D. Lamb? But it would have worked out. But At the I time, mean, you didn't know that. Yeah, at the time, it was like a home run with C.D. Lamb. But it's like, wow. That, like, there's just a few things. You could have traded your first and second-round pick, moved up, gotten C.D. Lamb, and avoided this whole Jalen Hurts thing, which could end up working out. I don't know. Like, It's going to happen to you now. Yeah, it's gonna to have to work out. I think the, I still think they drafted him just as an insurance policy for when Wentz got hurt again. I I didn't think you don't I don't think they drafted him for an insurance policy. Common logic I mean, says yeah, no, but how we think I'm not defending man in the room. I'm not defending it. I'm I was just like trying to understand the logic behind it. I didn't think they drafted him to eventually trade away Wentz. They could have gotten they, their insurance I policy think, in the sixth round with our uh, with our Italian friend Ben Benvenuti. Benvenuti. Yeah. And like, but yeah, how you has, that's your insurance policy, which I'm fine. Has has the guy tendency to always think he knows something that nobody else does. It's so it's why we go out and get these Pac-12 receivers, 
hardly anyone has heard of it. While you look at Justin Jefferson and go, you know what, he's great, but people aren't talking about Rager enough. We're going to go get Rager, who might be fine, but Justin Jefferson was so clearly the pick, and it just worked out exactly like everyone else thought it was going to. He's been an absolute stud, and Rager's been okay at times. I mean, he, was, he wasn't sure-handed in college. He's not sure-handed now. He wasn't open a ton. I, he, I don't know. He goes out of his way to get people that everyone else skipped over, and there's a reason they've been skipped over. By the way, just a quick side note, the Eagles are responsible for why Wentz got traded. You know, oh, without a doubt. Because they butchered Yeah, they butchered He did nothing wrong. This was a toxic environment. I mean, I mean yeah. Like, did, like, like, didn't they build, like, a statue of, Nick's, of Nick Foles, like, somewhere in the stadium or outside of it? It's out front. I don't have an issue with the, with the statue. I mean, he's the first. Uh, uh, no, it's an issue for he when. He won the first Super went. Bowl in franchise history. That's okay, statue. You did it right away. Like, why you? Okay, but you're building a statue when you when you got rid of him, and then Carson Wentz has to walk into work every day looking at the damn statue. But the statue wouldn't be half, a problem. Half the, lock, half the locker room wanted Foles back. The entire city of Philadelphia wanted him back. That, like, that's the issue. That's the problem. The statue isn't the issue. The issue was the organization never totally committing to Carson Wentz until seemingly this offseason when they brought in all Carson Wentz guys and then moved Carson Wentz. I'm going to defend the Eagles for a second here. Um, I'll take things I've never thought here for a thousand, please. The statue was actually paid for mostly by Bud Light. That was a huge Bud Light thing because they wanted to use the whole Philly, Philly, Dilly, Dilly thing. Yeah. And I think it kind of forced the Eagles' hand because Bud Light probably wanted to pay them a ton of money for it. So they're like, okay, yeah, sure, we can pay a bunch of money for that. But it's just weird that neither part of the statue is still there. Yeah. Doug and <laughs> yeah. Neither of Exactly. But you know who is? Bud Light is Howie Roseman. <laughs> That's yeah, true. Howie Roseman's there. He's like a cockroach. You just can't get rid of him no matter how bad things go. And I swear it's because I don't think Jeffrey Lurie knows a single thing about football. So Howie Roseman just tells him what's going on and he believes him. Oh, you don't think Harry Roseman has somebody like other than uh, – no, not – do you think like Jeffrey Lurie has like somebody else like in his ear like telling him like what's going on or no? I don't think so anymore. I think the reason, I mean, how he's had this job, despite his performance, since he got hired. Um, so I think that's what it is. I think they're, that's his right-hand man, um, and that's why he's not going to get canned. Consistency. Hey, you can't, have mis- uh, you can't have miscommunication between the president and the GM when your guy is both. Mm. True. <laughs> True. Cowboys. You can't have miscommunication between the owner and the GM when your guy does both. Just saying. <laughs> So if Philadelphia is a dumpster fire, Washington doesn't have a quarterback, the Giants are lacking in talent. No, only no, no, no. The Giants thing. are missing a quarterback. They have some type of talent. So with the Eagles falling apart, Danny Dimes still far from being a functional quarterback, and the Redskins without a quarterback with two functioning legs. It seems to be that the Cowboys are the class of the NFC, despite their own best efforts to sabotage themselves. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be an interesting year. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of questions to be asked. The whole Dak situation, is he going to get a long-term deal? Is he going to get tagged again? Because I think they can, t- they can tag him only one more time. So if that happens, um, I'm not going to be particularly happy. I want to lock him up for four years, if that's what it takes. He wants four, Cowboys want five. I don't know how much truth there is to that. Uh, but if we can get him for four years, keep him around. I mean, he's a great quarterback. Um, the discussions of him 
if he's the best best QB in the division, are way over. He had a great year last year. Sucks what happened, but still a lot of questions to be asked. The whole team, the defense still needs a lot of help. Um, hopefully, we can. We have eight picks, I think, in this draft. If we take eight defensive players, I would be thrilled. I don't care what we don't really have. Like the offense looks fine. Uh, Dalton's last like five games, he looked pretty good. Like in that offense, it would have about time to start adding a little bit of the O line depth. I mean, that looked a little suspect last year. Maybe, but I think the immediate need for next year is this coming season is defense. Uh, the offensive line also could use some work. We'll see what happens in the draft because depending on how things fall, um, there could be some good cornerbacks available when we're up at ten. Um, if Micah Parsons, for some reason, slides, kind of like how Isaiah Simmons slid last year, uh, he could be an option. But Where would you work him in with um, Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith already on the roster? I don't know. I just think if he's the most talented player available, it might be tough to pass him up. You that kind of like one of those guys to an edge. Yeah, it, it's just I think it's just one of those situations where the Cowboys are going to look at 10 and be like, hey, who's the most talented player available here? And it's probably going to be either – I mean, I think Parsons is kind of a stretch, but we're looking at more like um, Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. Um, and maybe if the tackle from Northwestern is available, his name's escaping me at this point, maybe they do go with tackle depth. I'm not really sure. Um, but Tyron Smith and Lyle, Smith, Lyle Collins only playing a combined like four games is an issue. I mean, it's tough. Does Mike yeah. McCarthy have any say in um, personnel? Because he hates defense. Yeah, he doesn't really. He kind of does, uh, but it's really up to – it's more up to Stephen Jones, I think, recently than Jerry Jones because I don't know if you remember a couple years ago when the Cowboys almost drafted Johnny Manziel. Mm-hmm. That was Jerry, Steven, wasn't it? Stephen had to take yeah. Jerry into a into a secluded <laughs> room and do God knows what to get him to not want Johnny Manziel because they came out of that room saying, we're taking Zach Martin. So, they probably tied him up and just left him in there until the pick was over. Yeah. Because it'd be sequestered. Yeah, and I mean, and also we've drafted pretty well in recent years, so I can't really complain about the drafting from Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones' perspective. It's just the lack of paying attention to defense in free agency is something that I have an issue with. You see Johnny Manziel's playing in like a cut-rate, fan-controlled football league. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. He had like one. He had like one play where he's running to the end zone. I think I looked at his stats after he was like one for five passing. <laughs> he's even bad in that league. Like, God. Yeah. And he was the best thing college football had seen. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with the Cowboys. Um, Trevon Diggs had an encouraging second half of the season. His first half of the season was abysmal. But once he adjusted to some of those NFL wide receivers, he looked pretty good. Safety, I don't even know who's going to play safety this year. It's, there's so many question marks. Yeah. yeah. Defense. But even with all the question marks, it's still looking like we're the favorite in the division. So. Possibly. Probably. I mean, Washington has the best defense in the division, but their offense oh, yeah. is just really – unless they get a quarterback. I mean, they have the weapons on offense. They didn't know when to give them the ball. So, I guess yeah. that's the next question is, with the Eagles somewhat short up a quarterback, it's going to be Hurts or a rookie. You guys obviously going to be Dak. Daniel Jones is set for another year. But the, the big question, if Washington gets a quarterback, they immediately enter the conversation with Dallas to be the best team in the division. For sure. I don't know who, I don't know who goes there. Um. It doesn't look like they have any, enough capital to get Watson. Um, but there's just going to be a lot of guys on the move this offseason. We really have no – like, crazy yeah. – like, I mean, a lot of people predicted the Colts getting Wentz. 
Yeah. I mean, anything can happen from here on out. Like, there's just so I many things I'm thinking about the dom- It's just so many things of how I'm thinking how the dominoes could fall. It, yeah. We're in for a Fold could move. Tyrod Taylor is going to move. Um, who else am I thinking? Trubisky uh, might be moving, depending on what Chicago wants to do. Yeah. Um, Jameis Winston could be moving. I think he's the next. I think he's the the next guy in line in New Orleans. I'd be surprised they move Winston. Think so. Yeah. Tua could move. I mean, if Deshaun goes south, Tua heads to Houston. Oh, well, in that case, yeah, but, like, I don't think they're moving off of him unless it's for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I think Washington is a quarterback away, and as much as it was a feel-good story, I'm not sure if Taylor Heineke is that quarterback to make him a contender. They also do need some offensive line pieces for sure, like, especially if they lose Scherf in free agency. Yeah. They're going to have some questions then, to answer on that offensive then, line. Yeah, and if, yeah, then, like, the only guy that could cover up, like, that bad of an offensive line would be, like, Deshaun Watson, which he's done for years. True. Yeah. But they rely on their running game, too. I mean, they had two backs last year yeah. who could have been feature backs than any other team. Um, and especially if you run it back with Alex Smith, uh, you need oh, you need pretty much a brick wall in front of him because he's lost all mobility. Exactly. Yeah. Man, what a story for him, though. Yeah, that's what, that's what Anthony and I were talking about before you came on, like, at some point, does Mrs. Smith get involved and just, like, show him the DVR tapes and be like, look, hon, like, this is how you look on national television. It might be time. Like, he's already, like, such a good story. I mean, I'm, I mean I'm pretty sure he has a pretty good personality. He could probably do something else with, the fo- with football. Yeah. He's great guy having a quarterback room. He, he'll find a job. He just, just playing quarterback might not be the and best he, thing. And he's had a good stuff. career. Yeah. He's had a good career. It's yeah. Not like he's had a bad career. So it's like – like how old is he? He's like thirty six, right, or something yeah. like that. Like he's, like he's been in the league for a while, and it's like, with, with the limitations of your leg, it's like, like you're all, like, like it's only going to get worse here, in my yeah. opinion. Like either he gets hurt again, knock on wood, or his play just gets worse. So it's like, I would just hang him up if I was him, but he wants to come back. So. I'd almost hate to see him come back because this year. Like, he played passable football this year. He wasn't good, if we're being honest. It was passable. No. But if he comes back next year and he plays the same level of football, like, this year no one critiqued Alex Smith. It was incredible that he was on the field. Next year, though, you're going to start seeing people watching him. Like, look, you know, we need a quarterback. This guy ain't it. The national media is going to be like, look, Alex Smith, great story. you got to move on. Like, I don't think he gets that same free pass next year. I agree. Also, like, yeah, COVID won't be as – like, it won't be affecting teams as much next season. All right, let's jump into our conversation with Matt Brooks, a reporter for Nets Daily, the premier account for all things Brooklyn Nets. Matt, thanks for joining the Sports Fountain today, my guy. Hey, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. So it's been a big year to be a Nets fan. After a frustrating year last year, you entered the year already a top four team in the East. Then you go out and add an MVP candidate in James Harden. What was that week like in the newsroom? Is he coming? Is he not? Just, just take me through those emotions. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I heard, God, when was that? Like, I think, no, uh, what was that? Must've been preseason. I don't know what, whenever those, those kind of first started, um, I heard a little bit about the, you know, that, that Harden was wanted to come to Brooklyn and it, it seems like it was actually really close to happening. That didn't end up happening. So I kind of knew it was always something they were looking at. Um, I just figured that Philly would get it done. Right. Like it just it just made sense. You look at Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons 
could arguably be like the defensive player of the year this year. Like, I think he's got a real case for it. So that's a great building block versus what, I mean, and look, they got like seven picks Houston. So it's not like they didn't get anything. Um, And I, I think that was the part that, that was really going back and forth the most was how much draft capital is Brooklyn willing to give up? Sure. It seemed like they didn't want to do all that. Then eventually you get to that point during that week. It was a week when, when Kyrie Irving wasn't there uh, and it just kind of came to fruition. It felt like they just were pushing back and forth and, you know, Houston kind of got what they wanted in a lot of ways. They, they got all these picks. They have something to build off of. They have something to sell to their fans while also going a little bit of a cheaper route. You know, you don't have anybody that you have to pay. You don't have to pay for Ben Simmons max salary. They got rid of Karis LeVert right away, which I think, again, it, it's not a, a, not a secret that he's got money on the books bring in an expiring like Victor Oladipo. So I think it was a win-win for both sides and just watching it kind of come to fruition in that, in the moment that it did, because it really picked up in those 48 hours was interesting and also kind of exciting to watch just as somebody who like, wasn't really sure if it was going to happen or not. Yeah. It seemed like Houston almost talked their way out of the Sixers deal. Cause I mean, we were all like, I'm from Philadelphia. We were all worried like that whole week. Um, but then it t- came out that they asked for pretty much the whole point guard room. They wanted Ben Simmons, they wanted Maxi, they wanted Milton, and they wanted Picks. Um, I think any less than that, he might have been in Sixers uniforms. So that could have gone yeah. the other way real easily. Um, but him coming over there has built you guys a hell of a roster. Um, but it's weird having this championship roster and a first-year head coach. Uh, so Steve Nash has to deal with all that turnover. Like you mentioned, all the role guys you guys sent out in that deal. Three all-NBA scorers that all are going to want the ball and need the ball. And then continuing the search for defense, which is going to become more and more important as the year goes on. So how do you see him working through these, all these obstacles as a first-year head coach? Great staff running. A lot of what they're doing looks very similar, if not nearly identical in some stretches, to what Houston was running uh, with D'Antoni. It's just the switching is there, and that's something that Houston did a lot. And they were, you know, they had different personnel, obviously, but the same sort of philosophies are, are happening on the floor. Um, they're switching guys in post-ups, uh, and they've been doing that with more and more comfortability, really using Harden as one of their premier um, post-up defenders. So that defense looks pretty similar. The offense is kind of a mesh between a little bit of what Houston was doing in terms of all the different pick-and-roll combinations, and you're having you know Landry Shamit screen for – James Harden and doing weird things like that, that they did in Houston. They're very experimental with that. You also have a little, a little bit of um, KD's Warriors influence in there. Um, just some of the steps that that's like the stuff I'm really interested in is all the play-by-play stuff. So that stuff stands out to me. It's like a mesh between all these guys' backgrounds. There's just so many like smart minds, I would say that are on this team that I think it makes it really easy for Steve. He's just got to learn the adjustments, which we haven't really gotten into too much. This team is just so good that he hasn't really had to adjust like crazy. Um, although I think they've even done that in, in certain games. They'll run a smaller lineup. Like you saw that against Golden State. Went a lot smaller because they said, look, we have a, you know, the opponent is, a, a, you know, basically playing without centers. So they're doing that to a degree. But the big thing will just be timeouts, adjustments, and everything else I think will work pretty fluidly with what they're running. So we got Andre Robertson just signed for the team. Uh, obviously a guy who has played in the playoffs before back with Oklahoma city. Um, and he has a pretty good reputation as a competent three and D player. Uh, where do you see him fitting in their rotation? Yeah, no, I think the nice thing about a guy like Robertson is that they just have so much shooting that like you look at what, like some of their lineups, you have 
you know, James Harden up top, you have uh, KD and Joe Harris in the corners and then Kyrie at the wing. And it's just like, they, it's just so much shooting that you can get away with putting these guys who really, you know, like for Andre Robbins, I mean, the three-point shooting has been a little iffy, I think, to say the least, but you're able to use him as a cutter. They're doing that right now with Bruce Brown, where he just cuts into the lane and just makes these smart cuts, and it warps the defense to a degree, and it's either a layup for him or it creates for other guys. So I think they have the ability to take on these guys. You know, it's so much about the league is about three-point shooting, but – if you have a cast like this, you can get away with taking a guy who's a complete non-factor in some games in terms of what he's doing from the perimeter. So I like it in that sense. And they could just use the defense. Like he's just, he's just big. I mean, the league has gotten so much smaller since Robertson first came in, you know, he comes in as a two guard. Now he's a four, like they're going to really, you know, really be able to run that. And I think that's exciting for them. And it, it allows them to just do a little bit more in their small ball lineups. Jeff Green's been great, but, he's 34. Like there's days where you're like, okay, so you're not guard enough to, you know, not big enough to guard inside. And then when you're switched out on the perimeter guards can get by you because you're just older. You don't have the foot speed that you used to have. So now you have that option with Robertson. I think it's a smart move. It's just a question of whether he's healthy or not. Uh, Nets fans are still frustrated with the lack of a true center. Um, is this really as big of a deal as they make it out to be? And do you think they have a real shot at getting Andre Drummond via trade or buyout? Yeah, I mean, if the buyout happens, I think they'd be at the top of the list. Um, so it, it's all a matter of – and you think about Andre last year. Um, you know, he had, what, two years left, and somebody made a trade for him. Like, those, these, I don't know. I, I think we get really – like, I think Blake Griffin will be probably a buyout guy because <laughs> there's a lot of years left on his contract. Drum isn't expiring. So if you're a team and you're just like, man, I, the question is really just matching the salary. You have to get to that 23 million. But if you can get there and it might not even be a playoff team, it might just be a team like, wow, we could really use a solid option at center just to feel like we're building something because the lottery odds aren't really the same as they used to be. So, you know, again, in the, in the mold that Cleveland got him. But if he does get there, yeah, I think that's, that's what you're looking for. Like, you're not even necessarily going to play Andre Drummond 20 minutes in an NBA Finals, but you want that versatility. Like, you want to be able to get into a series, say they play the Sixers in the second round, for example. Like, you can't just be like, all right, we're going to play DeAndre, see how that looks. Some games he looks good. Other games he looks old and washed. And if if that doesn't work, then we're going to go, I guess, Andre Robertson, Jeff Green at the five. It's just they, for the – for the reasons of you want to have pretty much everything prepared for any series, I think you, you really do need somebody like Drummond or at least just another center. And that's kind of the series people have their eyes on. Um, just in the East, it looks like the Sixers and Nets are on a collision course. Uh, both teams are really hot, and they're both occupying the top seats in the conference. So with two teams being built so differently, obviously, as you mentioned, Philadelphia, a lot of length, a lot of defense, enough scoring, but not quite to the level the Nets have whereas the Nets went really heavy on the offensive side, but no answer for the length of Embiid, Tobias, and Simmons on the inside. How do you see a matchup like that working out if both teams were to stand pat? I don't know. I I actually think, like, people are, uh, you know, after these last couple of games, people are like, well, the Nets are going to walk, you know, just walk over the Eastern Conference. I'm actually not sure because those teams are built – so, I mean, as you said, like they're, they're not built for each other at all. So it really just becomes a question of which of those styles 
is more consistent? Are they are the Nets able to churn out huge offensive performances like we've seen against Golden State, like we've seen against the Kings yesterday? Are they able to do that for four or seven games? I really I'm a defense guy. Like I just love watching defense and I think for that reason I love this Sixers team. There's just so much there. It's like even like if Matisse Steibel was on the Nets, I, I he would be like the I don't even know how many minutes he would play. It wouldn't matter. Again, as I said, like you don't necessarily have to be a shooter on the Nets. You can literally just play defense. They have so much offense around them. So I like the Sixers for that reason. I think they're really interesting. I actually think that'd be a lot closer. I would pick the Nets because, again, it's just a, a, a league of talent. But I think it would go six. I think it would go six, go seven even. I mean, I think it would be a really good series. Yeah, that would be just – it would be what um, – what game was I watching? It was one of the playoff games. Oh, it was uh, Packers-Rand, where it was like best offense in the league, best defense in the league. Yeah. It could very well be the same thing with basketball in the East. Um, it all comes down to matchups, though. I think you guys match up. Like, one through four, it's close. I mean, you guys have enough length to hang with Ben. Yeah. Um, you know, James Harden could hang with Tobias sidewise. It's just that right now it's the Embiid versus whatever the Nets can roll out at center is going to be our biggest advantage, whereas you guys have three three-point shooters where we have one, really, in Seth Curry. Right. Our greatest advantage. Um, but before you guys even get there, it looks like you could actually end up seeing another New York team early on it. in the playoffs. So what would a Knicks-Nets uh, matchup early on mean for you guys? I mean, I don't know if it would be competitive, but again, like I like the contrasting of styles. So it's like this Knicks team is this, it's funny. Like they've kind of, I wouldn't say they've switched identities, but they've switched philosophies. So the Nets are now this like glossy star chasing team. The Knicks are kind of that gritty team that the Nets were a couple of years ago. I think it's really fun. And, you know, they're, they're kind of, they remind me a little bit of like the Kenny Atkinson Nets back in, I don't even, like, I guess 2018, 2019, where they were for the second half of that year, a top 10 defense. And, you know, everybody will go back and look at the D'Angelo Russell performance, but they were a really solid defensive team and they, you know, were mixing in zone, doing things like that. So I think that's really fun for the Knicks, like that they have this real identity. It's just, it's better when that both teams are, playing a certain way and are succeeding. Um, so, I mean, the talent is in the Nets. I, told, I mean, it's just they're, they're going to win <laughs> it four. But <laughs> nonetheless, I think it would be a fun series. I could see, like, the first two games being competitive and then the Nets taking care of it from there. Yeah, I just, I just think it would be fun. Like, I'm a Knicks fan. Yeah. Like, I, I don't see this maybe making a couple games competitive, but, like, sure, I'd be happy just to be there. So. Yeah, it would remind me of last year's series between uh, – because I'm, I'm literally the only person I think that watched this on Earth, but the raptors Nets series from last year where I was like, dude, they're going to get blitzed, but they played hard for the first two games, and then after that I was like, all right, these guys want to go home. They want to go see their families. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. I'd be into it. That'd be a fun rivalry in the city because we were on – we had another guest a couple weeks ago um, talking about you know, Nets and Knicks and just – it's, no matter how good the Nets are going to be, it's a Knicks, it's a Knicks town. Like New York basketball is a Knicks town. Um, so just having them back in the playoffs and having like little brother, the Nets, you know, no matter how much more talented they are, you know, topple the Knicks on prime time would be kind of cool to see. Yeah, no, they, I, it's going to stay that way. Like I'm one of those people, I'm not like a, I mean, maybe that's because I'm not like a Nets fan growing up per se, but I don't think that's really going to change. And I actually like for the Nets, I wish for them, they would just, focus on being the Nets. like who I, you're not going to win that battle so build a, a whatever build whatever you want to build the way you want to build it 
and and just you know embrace those matchups when you get them the Knicks Nets matchups because they're going to be exciting for a while. So out west, uh, it's strong up and down the list. The Western Conference after taking a year or two um, off of being the juggernaut is really back. Um, but at the top, it's the two LA teams in Utah seem to be on a different plateau than the rest. Do you think Utah can keep up this pace and hang with those star-studded rosters, or just kind of like a flash in the pan moment for them? It all depends, right? So it really depends on how, and it's sad that it's coming down to this. I'm just watching the Anthony Davis thing. Um, That team still, to me, they just have a bedrock of something that we just have proof of concept of it being really effective. Like when you have LeBron and you have Anthony Davis in the playoff series, or even just night to night, that's such an advantage over these other teams. I really like the way Utah is playing. And I think if this was the Clippers team from last year, I would say that team can beat the Clippers because the Clippers have their problems. The thing is, this is a different Clippers team. So I'm almost leaning towards the Clippers getting out of the West right now. Um, just because of, I think the Davis thing is something to watch. And I, you know, I mean, maybe just coming back and playing this season, like really screwed them in a way where they started a month earlier than they were hoping for. And I just, I, it's something I'm watching. I like Utah, though. I, I really want to buy it. And, um, you know, I just – they've started hot early, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the first half of the season before. But the only thing I'm watching, they're a very well-coached team, um, and they're guys that have all played together before. So when you have that in combination with a season where nobody had any sort of training camp, um, and, and there's a lot of teams of guys that really haven't played together, or there's new coaches – I think that is a little bit of an advantage for them. You know, you even compare them to like Denver, Denver, their rotation changed quite a bit. Like there's different pieces in there. You you really don't have any wing depth. So as much as there's overlap from the last year to this one, it's a different team. Utah just, all they did was add Boyan and got a little bit better in terms of their center depth. Like they're, they're going to be really good. So I think the thing to watch for them is just in the second half and see how that pans out. But if they keep this up, I feel like I have to buy it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So you're kind of thinking that what we're seeing right now out of them is just that they're so far ahead from from a familiarity standpoint. But in the second half, as these teams play together more, you could start to see that gap start to close a little bit. I mean, they've won, was it, 18 in a row at this point or something like that, or 18 and one in the last 19? Yeah, something like that. I mean, and to a degree, like when a team wins like that, I do think you have to buy just a little bit. Like you can't just write them off completely. So I think there is a really good chance that they're in the conference finals. Like, you know, they, they just, the talent is there. They play together. Well, they're unselfish. And I think that can get you really far. I just worry that road ends somewhere, you know? Yeah. All right. So before I got to let you go, um, this whole interview happened because of a tweet you put out asking what people are drinking during the big game. Obviously we're a big <laughs> natty light podcast here, uh, but I'm interested <laughs> to see what are some of the other interesting responses you got to that? Uh, dude, somebody said, oh, what was it? It was tequila and something. I got to go look this tweet up, man. Um, tequila and what? I was like, dude, you, I really want to find this. I don't know if I'm going to find it, guys. (laughs) Damn. Um, I don't, I, there was, I, damn, I really wish I knew what it was. Um, tequila and anything casually is just a strange choice tequila and tequila and it was like a tequila and a breakfast food so i don't know what it was i was like dude are you good over there (laughs) like is everything okay at home like what's going on 
he had to be in Kansas City. Like his life was Probably. just not going great in that yeah. in that yeah. moment. Yeah, just the the year of quarantine just caught up right in that moment. And you're like, wow, this kind of sucks. So we're having a Super Bowl <laughs> and everybody's stuck inside. Um, I don't, I, I honestly don't remember what it was, but there were some good responses. The Natty Light one was hilarious because they, I don't know if they responded to you guys. Yeah, they, they just threw it the like, but oh, they, they responded like sick. two or three times. It was like we just kept answering, and we were like, all right, they're definitely done this time. And they kept, they kept answering. So we were just like, shit, we'll just keep going and see where this goes. Dude. You guys got to get sponsored or something like that. You guys got to be like, hey, like we mentioned you guys on every podcast. Like send us a, send us a, a send us a, I don't know, even a, a 30 or something <laughs> like that. Like send me that. We got to just throw one down at the beginning of every show. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you guys got to like lean into it. Wear like natty light gear, like wear hats and everything. That'd get be flags sick. for back here somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed, but this episode's brought to you by Natty Light. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, we'll do that. We're going to send them this clip. And if they send us any merch, we'll forward some Natty Light merch your way. Dude, yeah, seriously. Send a, tell them to send a, some some thirties my way. I'll, I'll I'll use them for streams and stuff like that. <laughs> All right, Matt. This has been a ton of fun, man. Thank you so much for joining the cast. If you guys are looking to find Matt on Twitter, it's at Matt Brooks NBA, or you can catch him at Nets Daily for all your most up to date Nets news. Matt, thanks so much, man. I hope we didn't keep you from your meeting. We're good. We got there in time. Right, Appreciate thanks, it, guys. Have a good one. <laughs> thanks, Matt. Yep. All right, let's jump back in. That was an awesome interview, everything Nets, and we're going to talk a little bit about just the Nets and the East right now. Um, this is being recorded on the 18th, so we just found out that um, the Nets are going to be missing a couple guys. Kyrie's going to be down for a bit. Uh, KD is going to be down for a little bit. Nothing serious, um, but the East is getting pretty competitive up at the top, and everyone's waiting for the Nets to kind of come surging past everybody else, and it hasn't happened, partially because of injury, partially because they're missing a center. Um, but, I don't know, towards the end of the season, do you think these guys are going to be able to stay healthy for a longer stretch than we've seen right now? Because they haven't had their top three all in at once for too many games in a row. I think the point I mean, of all I mean, this rest – Go ahead. I think I the mean, point of all this rest is, like, so that they'll be ready when the time comes. Like, maybe Kyrie at the end of the year, this type of injury – I don't even know what his injury is, honestly. Something sore, I think. Um, yeah, I think this is kind of something we're looking at a situation here where this is something that he would play through if this was game 79 when they're fighting for the number one seed, if they're still possibly fighting for it at that point, or if this is round one, even if it's round one against the Knicks, I bet he fights through that, like stuff like that. It's, it's stuff that like yeah. he would have to fight through later in the season that he's just trying to tune up now. I don't, I don't think it's anything to really look into, to be honest. Yeah, I for Kyrie, no, but for Durant, like you have to make sure he's good to go for the postseason. So it's like I, I look at I look at Durant the same way I look at Anthony Davis. Like the Lakers need to hold Anthony Davis out for as long as possible, and the Nets need to rest Kevin Durant whenever he needs to be rested because if he's not available in, in the play, in the playoffs, like they're screwed. And yeah. and it goes the same thing for the Lakers if they don't have Anthony Davis. Not that the Lakers are screwed without Anthony Davis. They they can win a series, maybe two, depending on who they match up with. But they're not winning the title. No, we saw that already in LeBron's first year. The team around them hasn't changed a whole lot since then. AD is really the major piece that's been different. I um, think they should. I think they should keep him out for a month. Give him four weeks. I, maybe he only needs yeah, two to three. Keep him out for a month. Yeah, I said I said after the All Star break. Mm-hmm. Agreed. 
which is so stupid that it's even happening. The Spurs just had four guys go out due to COVID this week, and the NBA just continues to push forward with the All-Star game. Atlanta, their mayor came out and said, we don't even want it. Like, the city doesn't want them here. Yeah. But Adam Silver is just wedging the NBA in no matter what. I don't get it. I, I don't want any of my guys going. Like if I'm if I'm like a coach, I'm looking into the contract. I'm trying to find out if I can hold my players out of the All Star break, uh, especially if you're contending. I mean, if you're the Knicks, it's fine. Let let Julius Randle go get his moment in the sun. No, I'm trying to make the playoffs, man. Don't talk <laughs> like that. Relax, all right. Put him on the roster. It's fine. He doesn't need to play. Keep him in a small room, not with anyone. I need him protected. It's like the Bubble Boy in Seinfeld. Yes. But yeah, okay. I mean, I just it's, it's going to be stupid. We're going to see they're doing the dunk contest, the three point contest. One of them's going to be at halftime of the actual game. I don't know how that's going to work. Um, it, I think I think before the game they're doing like the three point contest, and then at halftime they're doing the dunk contest. I think that's how they're doing it. That's that's just criminal. Like the dunk contest in general has been falling apart, but this is the lowest it's gone. I mean, I see, like, All-Star Weekend, like, with the exception of last year, how the game was really good toward the end. Yeah. Uh, with the Kobe rule, like, 24 points. The Elam ending. Yeah, which is really cool, which I really yeah. like. Um, with the exception of that, it's not all that great. Like, me and my friends in high school would watch, like, the Friday night. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's about it. Um, I'm not really a huge fan of the All-Star game, but also my players are never there, so. It's good, like, casual entertainment. You're not going to see good basketball, with the exception of last year. When they started, like, yelling at the refs and pushing people in the All-Star game, like, that was pretty freaking awesome. That was all about Kobe, honestly. Like, Kobe always worked his ass off in the All-Star game. So all the players were like, we have to put on a show, Yeah, which is awesome. This year they're going to do something else Kobe-related. I didn't read into it enough, but 24 is going to be worked into the game again somehow. I think they're doing the same thing again. They should. It worked. Yeah, uh, but the, like the teams are now they're doing East versus West, which is the only like difference I think. Yeah. I like last year better. I like the fact that they were picking people. It was like yeah, a I little like bit more of that rivalry. Yeah. But, it's like oh, this guy got picked over me, like that kind of like literally exactly. like literally like elementary school pickup type stuff. Exactly. But like I mean, people are just big kids anyway. Like the guys were definitely buying into it. I mean, I don't know. And this year, like. I don't even know who's in either competition. Do you guys ever have any idea who's in their dunk contest? I, I don't or pay attention. Like I, I, I don't pay attention to All Star Weekend. Like I, I heard, I don't watch it. I heard Dame's gonna be in the three point contest. Yeah, like Dame's gonna do. Like I probably watch the three point contest. I probably won't watch the dunk contest because like. I wonder I if both Curry's are gonna be in it. That would be really something. Both Curry's yeah. and Dame. Because Seth is shooting 50% from deep this year, so he deserves to be in it. But he's not a huge name, so he may not. We'll see. Yeah, and they might not want extra people traveling. That's the problem. I'm fine with like, it. Like I said, the less people that go. Yeah, like if Seth Curry, like, he probably won't make the all-star team. But, like, he would definitely qualify for the three-point contest because he's awesome. But they might not want – they might just limit the people to be like, hey, we're just going to have the contestants who are in the game. That makes sense. Or maybe, like – somebody in Atlanta, like, I don't know, like, throw DeAndre Hunter in there. I have no idea. Yeah. Just have, like, the rosters compete and decide quests or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, don't do it. It's just so yeah. dumb. Like, we don't need it. We could take a year off from the All-Star game. It's no big deal. Well, I There's think they're just doing it for out. money. I think they're just doing it for money, though. Oh, yeah. The, 
you know, like that's the only like they must be they must be suffering really bad financially if they're pushing through with this as of right now. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think this is going to be a big boom financially unless you get like the super casual fan who has nothing else to do that night. I mean, I, I'm not going to like rearrange my schedule around it, which I usually would do, but not this year. Nah. All right. This wraps up our Carson Wentz special, Nets special episode of the Sports Found. Coming up, we have a college highlight. We're going to have Rutgers University represented on the cast. So stay tuned for that one. This has been the Sports Found. Where the fuck did Lambert go? <laughs>